Hi, this is Anna. Anna, hi, it's Suzanne Delbanco calling from Catalyst for Payment Reform. How's it going? Great, thanks. How are you? I'm all right. I was calling because I wanted to talk to you about the study that you did related to consumerism in healthcare. You know, I work with a bunch of employers who uh, over time have made bets on different levels of consumerism as they've thought through their benefit and network designs. And I thought it would be really interesting to learn more about the research you've done. But before we get into it, I wanted to let you know we've got an audience listening in. So for their sake, if you wouldn't mind letting them know a little bit about you, that would be great. Sure. I am an assistant professor at the Harvard Chan School of Public Health, and I do research on patient or individual decision-making in healthcare settings. Well, thanks for that. So I guess just to start off, as background for um, myself and also the people listening, can you describe the effort you made to synthesize the research on consumerism in healthcare and how you organized what you found? Yeah, so consumerism really describes behavior by individuals in markets where they have choices. So they would consider quality and price across goods and services when making a purchasing decision. And so as federal and state policymakers are calling for new investment in policies that leverage consumerism and healthcare, like price transparency initiatives, for example, uh, we realize that the experiences with healthcare consumerism in the U.S. to date could be tremendously useful to inform sort of policies going forward. So uh, what I thought out to do is to synthesize the evidence from the past 40 years or so of experience with consumerism in healthcare to understand the potential for these policies to impact uh, healthcare choices and, and in particular to improve quality and efficiency in the, in the U.S. healthcare system. You know, there was a lot of research for you to look at, so how did you organize what you found? So when thinking about policies to encourage consumerism in healthcare, they really focus on two factors. One is to try to provide patients more information about their healthcare choices, and the second is to give patients an incentive to use that information to choose either higher quality or lower cost um, healthcare services. And so what we did is we examined all the efforts in the U.S. healthcare system to do either of those things, either to provide more information on healthcare quality, to provide more information on healthcare prices for consumers, or to change consumer incentives to reward them for making choices that are either higher quality or lower cost. And then once we uh, had pulled all that research and reviewed it, we organized our findings into um, four categories that sort of summarize what we like to think of as almost the lessons learned from efforts to enhance consumerism in healthcare. So, of course, you know, I want to ask you what those lessons were, but yeah. I'll start off by asking, you know, where in particular does consumerism work in healthcare? Yeah, so I think we saw promising evidence in two places. The first is that if you look at what patients say about the healthcare that they're looking for, it's um, very, very strong findings that patient attitudes and preferences are for lower costs and improved quality of care. Uh, this has been consistent for decades. 
And so um, these attitudes really prime patients, I think, to, to be ready to act like consumers in healthcare choices. Um, and then the place where we've seen some positive impact of consumerism is when policies either deliver information or shape incentives in very simple, straightforward ways where the quality and high-value choices are aligned with the patient's incentive. So I can explain a little bit more about what I mean by that. Essentially, you know, healthcare is, is quite complex. The decisions that we're asking individuals to make when they choose health plans or patients to make when they're choosing where to go for care are complicated and high stakes and, and can be very challenging. And so when policies or programs are able to give patients a simple choice where a trade-off between the high value and the low value option is very clear and there is a financial incentive to go with the higher value option, we see patients uh, consistently able to make the high value choice. So that's pretty promising for employers who are looking into, let's say, a centers of excellence program where they waive the cost sharing for that one versus mm -hmm. if you want to go to a, another provider, you would have your regular cost sharing or something like that. Is that a good example? I think that is a good example. I think that the key is that not only has the center of excellence been identified for patients, but that it's tied into the, the benefit design so that patients share in some of the savings if they choose to go to the center of excellence and that the patients didn't have to do their own research to figure out which facility was the center of excellence. It was made very clear from the start. Uh-huh. So that kind of leads me to ask, where does consumerism really not work uh, in, in terms of the research you found? Unfortunately, there's been a lot of instances where we policies to enhance consumerism have not achieved the desired results. And I think to summarize many, many interventions and, and decades of experience, when we have left it up to patients themselves to interpret very complex and high volumes of quality data, uh, we haven't seen that be as effective. So, for example, just releasing quality report cards on numbers and numbers of physicians in a local area, even though consumers may report that that's of interest, we don't see that they're being used to choose a provider. Another area where it hasn't been as effective is just trying to give patients the financial incentive to choose a um, lower-cost provider without helping identify who those providers are. So there I'm thinking about the effort to raise deductibles in health insurance plans. Deductibles have multiple objectives, and one thing they do is they lower premiums. So that may be a good thing. But another objective of a high deductible is to get patients to think about when they're going to get care and where they're going. Uh, perhaps they could choose a lower price place because then they pay less out of their deductible. And unfortunately, we have not seen that uh, borne out in the evidence at all. Instead, when people have high deductibles, they're likely to get less care, both care that's needed and care that's not needed. And then when they go ahead and get care, uh, they're no more likely to spend less on their health care. Yeah, I mean, this is a really important point, you know, as we are experiencing this significant economic downturn and probably a lot of employers would be tempted to 
raise deductibles or, you know, introduce high deductible health plans, it's, you know, kind of a blunt instrument that, you know, as you said, doesn't kind of create those stark contrasts and make it easy for consumers to know how to behave in a way that meets their needs and their interests. Exactly. Exactly. So I feel like I left stuff hanging on the table in terms of you said there were, did you say there were four major lessons learned and you've probably raised some of them. What, Mm -hmm. what did you not have a chance to tell me about yet? Yeah. So along with, I'd say one of them was that patients, you know, want the highest quality care at the lowest price and are finding about patients can act like conformed consumers if quality and price information and incentives are presented simply and in a straightforward manner. Another major lesson, though, is that when making healthcare choices, patients often act like uninformed consumers. And in part, that's because of a number of cognitive limitations that our understanding has really evolved due to work in behavioral economics, which is a combination of economics and psychology, which find that just in certain contexts, like making choices about today versus the future, or making um, choices when there, you have to evaluate a lot of probabilities about getting sick at some future date, that consumers have a hard time um, making what, as an economist, I would call a rational choice, but really it's making choices that are in their best interest. And so, um, you know, the framing of information, the timing that we're asking patients to act like consumers when making healthcare choices all can matter in terms of getting the desired outcomes from from these consumerism policies. And then the last lesson learned is I think there's pretty good evidence that patients and physicians really want to make healthcare choices based on quality and cost together and that these choices aren't happening as often as they would like. You know, patients, you know, that the goal of making healthcare more patient-centered involves um, bringing patients into choices about healthcare, but they really want, I would say, you know, when you talk to patients or look at patient surveys, patients very often report that their physicians are trusted sources to help them navigate these choices, and so policies could leverage um, physicians as a partner with patients to make healthcare choices based on quality and patient's cost as opposed to leaving patients to try to figure it out on their own. Yeah, I mean, I've been intrigued by this idea that we put prices in front of you know, consumers or patients, but often providers don't have access to that information. And if you want there to be you know, smart referrals made by providers or you know, even you know, the idea of shared decision-making where they discuss it together, it, it's really important that we get this information in front of uh, people's caregivers as well. You know, that's an area that I think has been underexplored. I really agree. Yeah. So, you know, at the end of the day, you looked at a lot of studies. Does your research leave you with optimism about the potential to leverage consumer demand to improve the health care? I'm sort of a glass half full person. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and say yes, uh, mainly because of uh, these ideas that having higher quality care or lower cost care is in the interest of patients and their providers that I think continued efforts to um, create like the 
the context where patients are set up to make high-value choices could lead to better outcomes. And so I think about, for example, the work by some large employers to implement reference-based pricing benefit design. So, you know, CalPERS in California has done this across a, a lot of services, and other employers are doing it as well. And here um, is another example where uh, patients or consumers were in, put in health plans where they were given a set of information about providers where they could go. They were lower-cost providers, and they would pay, you know, a minimal amount of cost sharing if they got a service done at those providers. And then if they went to somebody else that was higher cost, they would pay more out of pocket. And those um, programs have been really successful in terms of moving patients to the lower cost providers. And um, I think it's important to note that there was work by CalPERS and their partners to make sure that there was uh, minimal quality thresholds in place, you know, at the, at the lower cost providers. And so there's a, another success story of where a simple benefit design, you know, that aligns patients' cost sharing with the higher value choice worked. So I think moving in that direction and moving away from the policies that we know haven't been as effective, like simply increasing patients' deductible, is what we need to do if, if we want to have success with consumerism. Anna, thank you so much. I think it's really helpful to get that synthesis. You know, not all of us have time to look at all these studies. <laughs> so um, I think for uh, the employers and other purchasers listening, as well as, you know, everybody else who thinks about how can we make the healthcare system uh, more functional for the patient and for those who have to pay for care, I think you've shared a lot of, a lot of good nuggets. So thanks so much for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me.